2: What's up, guys? I am bringing you an episode with the former NFL player and transformational coach, Anthony Trucks. He went from foster care to becoming an NFL football pro in spite of being called Butterfingers. He's been through several identity shifts in his career and now helps people close their own identity gap. Today we're revealing three skills you need to master to avoid being lazy, stay motivated, and start building a better identity on purpose. I hope you guys love listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. And if you do, please leave a review on our podcast. It really is the best way to help us so that we can get the show out there to more people like you guys that believe taking action is a must. I'm Tom Bilyeu, and welcome to Impact Theory. Anthony Trucks, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you for having me again, man, appreciate it. Dude, excited. So what are three skills that people should master if they want to avoid ever being lazy and stay motivated even in hard times?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of them. Uh, I think the first one I'm gonna say for sure is gonna be some kind of structure. I think a lot of us, we are- uh, we To the say, day? I think it's structure to the day, but also to like uh, how I operate internally too. There should be some way that I function, think through things like repetitively. I think what what i found for me is, if I go to my day and I'm leaning on, try to stay disciplined, everybody says, stay disciplined, stay consistent, right? But discipline is kind of that word that means like disciple to follow, plan is plan, right? To follow a plan. But if the plan is a follow an emotion, at some point when the emotion is gone, I can't follow it. Mm. So the idea is if I really want to stay disciplined, I got to have a plan to follow. So some kind of structured plan, yes to the day. But I think also it has to do with like a, a rhythm of how you feel internally, right? Because there's things that I, may feel that they're kind of like opposite of the moment here and now, but if I can kind of tick myself into a, a box of like, when you feel this way, do this, well, I can get myself back on flow. Because for me, the, the biggest thing is there are things that I have in my schedule to do, but there'll be times I wake up and I go, I don't want to do this right now. Mm. But I know it's got to get done because a team may need it or my wife may need it, but I can't just go, I didn't feel like it and not do it. I have to actually have a way that I trigger myself to get back into flow and I get myself going again.
2: All right, what is the process that you've built for yourself, the, the structure, mentally?
1: Yeah, yeah, so I think the biggest thing is I, I like the idea that perspective precedes enlightenment. So there's this, this way that I look at things, and I go, okay, well, if I wanna see something different, I can ask a friend or ask somebody else. And typically, this give me a new perspective. That perspective gives me that, oh, never thought of it that way, the aha moment. Mm. And so what I try to do is do that for myself. So like if I have something I gotta do that I don't wanna do, I sit back and I look at it and go, why is this thing something I am not wanting to do right now? What what perspective am I holding on this that makes it maybe not joyful, not something I, I am wanting to do? And I try to step back and go, What would my best friend Jason say? What would my wife say about this? What would somebody else?
2: I try so to. So, from give a it. structure standpoint, you're saying seek a new perspective. Exactly, seek something different. It's very interesting. So, I talk about that. The word I use or words is frame of reference, yeah, and I think thing. that frame of reference is. I'm beginning to think, I know it's hyper important, I'm beginning to think it's one of the most important things. Just mm-hmm. the other day I was thinking about intelligence, mm-hmm. which is my obsession. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about, I've always thought of intelligence as the ability to process raw data quickly. Mm. But one thing that I've seen people do highly intelligent people do very well is that they can shift the frame mm-hmm. on you very quickly. Yeah. So a lot of times when people, especially now, we're living through a time where people will try to trap you linguistically, yeah. they will ask you a question where mm-hmm. the framing of the question, if you adopt that, that frame of reference, there's no Other answer right get. way to answer yeah. it, right? And highly intelligent people, recognize that mm. you've given them a frame of reference, yeah. and then they also recognize that there's a totally different frame of reference that can be had. And I've heard about that in negotiations, like mm-hmm. whoever controls the framing yeah. is gonna win. It's, it's funny very interesting.
1: That. that just was, so my son made me take a comment down, because I, I saw this video, and it was one that just, it unsettled the way I, I felt inside of like the thought of it. And it was a woman saying that the reason that she was overweight was because of white people. And, and went into this whole, I'm dead serious, this whole statement around this, this thing. And, and, and I was telling my son, I, I even commented, I said, it's interesting how people that have the, the most idiotic views can frame them so eloquently nowadays. Mm. If you can't step back from what the framing, I literally said, if you can't step back, you would adopt that and believe it to be true. And so you actually have to think a little more critically in terms of what people are even stating beyond just what they're saying now. It's how it's even framed up. So it's funny you say that, and two days ago I had this conversation
2: with my Dude, son. Dude, that's really interesting. You just gave me the chills. I worry that it it is I think of myself as the average person, mm. and when I think about how easily I can get trapped in a frame of reference of my own making or somebody yeah. else's, it's really scary because when you look at the cycles that humanity goes through, like we I remember as a kid you 'll either get this or look at me sideways as a kid, I remember reading about. Emperors like Caligula and how they would have these crazy Roman orgies and I'm like wait a second like I Why don't we have orgies now? I was like so pissed as like a 16 year old that there were no orgies That's great. And I was like how that was thousands of years ago How have we not just like continued, you know with looser and looser morals Mm. and obviously as a 16 year old I didn't get it. I was very frustrated that I was not living in that time Mm -hmm. but now I understand one, that that may not be the pinnacle of civilization yeah, as I right. thought, but two, that we go in these loops where you get caught in a frame of reference mm-hmm. and then something terrible happens that forces a shift in frame of reference. Yeah. Then things sort of reboot, but then you build in this cycle. Mm-hmm. Nobody's laid it out more eloquently than Ray Dalio with his book, if you haven't read it yet, read it, called mm-hmm. Principles for a Changing World Order. I haven't yet, no. Dude, it's amazing, it's terrifying, Mm. but it's amazing about how there's only so many personality types, Mm -hmm. and that's what causes history to rhyme, Mm. is that humans are just a certain way, there's a certain number of basically innate frames of reference, those innate frames of reference bump into each other in this hyper-cyclical pattern, Mm -hmm. and right now, and I don't know how much to point at social media and say this is exacerbating it, but ideas now travel so quickly that a frame of reference will become the dominant frame of reference for a while until something so terrible happens that, that it shifts a little breaks bit. that frame of reference. Yeah, yeah. I did not expect, and we're gonna keep going, everybody watching at home. We've got one a structure, we'll get to the other two, yeah, but yeah. I do wanna, um, you live in the Bay Area, and literally the first thought that I had when you said that you're in the Bay Area, I didn't say it, but mm-hmm. I was like, have you had like people breaking into your car? Like It's getting oh, yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. We've had someone steal our car. In, in an area that we
1: actually have the cops have never been there in like 10 years, they told us. Someone came and stole a car within like a year of us being there, which was this most, we moved there about a year ago. And the guy was like, we've never been up here in like 10 years. Yeah, so yeah, crazy. a lot more is coming out that, that shouldn't be there. And
2: I think it's frame of reference. So yeah. the frame, the dominant frame of reference, certainly in California has become like no man left behind. Yeah. Like you can't let somebody struggle. You can't, yeah, like, like, like there's the the, oh God, there's a name for it. So people that are on the streets doing drugs, it's like minimize harm, minimize suffering. Yeah, would, I forget would, the name of it.
1: Building buildings, they bought it like a seven million dollar building in the city to let them go there and do drugs. Yeah, it's crazy. It boggles my mind.
2: It's crazy, but I get the frame of reference. It actually yeah. comes from a beautiful place. They don't want people to suffer. Mm-hmm. The problem is, if your frame of reference does not include looking at the outcome, mm-hmm. and you only have a frame of reference around intent, you spiral into madness yeah. in my frame of mm-hmm. reference. I get
1: that. I think it's a problem too cuz the way I look at it is we need those aspects of, of struggle. Like I I think one of the greatest parts of, of life in terms of what benefits us is the hardships. So that statement, I maybe mean, it's a quote that says a smooth sea makes not a skilled sailor. Mm. And so whenever I look at those situations like you're you're not really helping. You're kind of just prolonging the pain they're experiencing at a, a say a one or a two but for a lifetime as opposed to coming and going how do we make this maybe an eight, nine, 10 for a little bit, but it's a zero after that. Mm. And so there is like a framing, I think, perspectively, like I do carry a very similar perspective, but I can't say that at home. Like it's, it's somewhere where I sit and watch this and go like, you really said that out there. Because I, I don't think that that's help. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't. And I, I, I don't feel bad saying it because I realize like I am different and that's okay. The world has to have difference, but I do have a care for them. Like I don't look at them and go, oh, you lazy person, you didn't do it. It's like, it's yeah. not, it's not even always their fault sometimes. However, uh, what was it, uh, Victor Manson, when he says uh, the subtle art, the book he talks about, it may not be your fault, but it's your responsibility. Mm. And so you have to step in at some point and go, I'm responsible for the life I'm living and not lean on handouts because when they're gone, well then you have nothing. And so I think the better thing to help would be to give them the hardship, to guide them, to give them support, to have them come out of that hole and you get some pride
2: on the backside, you get some confidence on the backside, and now you can do vastly more. Mm, Agreed. Look, it's complicated and I don't want to oversimplify it, but uh, I agree with you and on that, so frame of reference, going back to this idea of you need structure, you need somebody to give you a different perspective, Mm -hmm. um, that's a case where getting isolated in your perspective, and this is one of the things that scares me about social media, and I love social media and it's brought tremendous Mm -hmm. joy to my life, but I'm also very careful about cultivating a a diverse frame of reference, so that I'm not, I seek disconfirming evidence, and I mm-hmm. think that's incredibly important. And at yeah. a time where the algorithms are designed to give you whatever keeps you on the platform the longest, yeah. and I think people understanding that, the, the algorithm's not designed to be evil, no. it's just designed to maximize the benefit to the platform. And keep you on uh, Exactly, mm-hmm. and so that tends to be whatever's high emotion, which tends yeah. to be reinforcing things you already believe or outraging you. Yeah. And That is this hyper myopic frame of reference Mm -hmm. versus the idea which I think comes from um, Brett Weinstein Mm -hmm. who said uh, this idea of steel manning. Can you steal, so you've got straw manning, Mm -hmm. which is I give a fake uh, version of your stance Mm -hmm. so that I can easily destroy it. And steel manning is truly almost trying to convince myself that you're right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to state your position as generously as possible. Mm -hmm. That ability to get to their perspective and really see through their eyes, I think is critically important. And then yeah. going back to destroying laziness, I think that that really makes a lot of sense. It
1: does, and you're, you're right, man. It's one of those things where, uh, who is it, um, Sun Tzu says, once you learn to like, truly understand your enemy, you love your enemy, right? When you fully grasp the other perspective, like that does give a different frame of reference. Mm. But I think sometimes that people don't understand that you can actually, and I've heard it many times, you can adopt or at least entertain an idea without adopting it. And I don't think people wanna do that. Mm. Like I think people want to be shown the same thing and have the same thing because there's this human desire to be in alignment, right? There's this desire to say, I am right, this is my perspective. So even if something shows that you're incorrect, you'll stay back in your alignment. And so people will just eat the same thing over and over in the same direction. And then that's why they, uh, they talk about at one point the uh, the entire election prior, you know, when Trump was there, was like everyone could be seeing their own version of social media and sit next to somebody and go, how do you not understand this? There's so many videos, but they saw a completely different framing mm-hmm. of social media. And so we have this completely, you know, weird skewed perspective of people that could be six in a room seeing six different sets of social. And so the framing of it is all over the place.
2: Yeah. In a terrifying manner. Yeah. Okay. So we've got structure.
1: Yeah. What What's number two? Number two is going to be uh, identity, man. I think it's it's your specialty. That's my thing, man. Because I was thinking, like, is it a skill? It is a skill because you do have to create it. I think that there's a time in our lives when we all were, you know, just teachers, preachers, coaches, leaders, TV, movie, right? Those things kind of fed into our programming of who we are, and we didn't develop a skill of navigating the the sets of beliefs or the things we saw coming in. We just took it all in. And randomly created this identity we live from. And if you do, identity, you think people
2: created it on purpose, or does no. it happen accidentally? I
1: think it happens accidentally in the beginning, and sometimes it's guided by the people who were like your mom, your dad, those who are in the household. They tell you what things are. Like it took me a lot of years to reframe how I saw the identity I had around money or around acceptance or around love, right? Mm-hmm. And it's mostly because it was programmed from different places accidentally, haphazardly. Whereas there is a skill to going. I don't like how I function or think or show up in this manner. I want it to be different, and it's okay. It doesn't mean you're bad. It just means that this part of you, you want to improve. So it does have to be some kind of skill you develop of going, so how do I forego the, the thoughts of what if I get cast out from my, my you know, tribe or whatever and go, I want to be better here. And you actually lean in and do certain things that develop that identity over time. So whether it's, you know, I want to be able to communicate better. I used to be a football player and on a gym. I wasn't a speaker, right? I didn't talk mm-hmm. like... But I developed that identity at first i was like i don't know if i can do it now i go no i'm, I'm damn good at this right so
2: will you give people a 30 second primer on your yeah. background because if uh people haven't watched the first interview mm-hmm. that you and i did together where we covered in detail your background i think it'd be great for them to understand yeah. you maybe more than most humans understand how a frame can be given to you it becomes mm-hmm. your identity but you don't even realize that it was a choice just sort of happened
1: yeah it just sort of happens man like we said accidental so i was given away into a foster care system in california it was really bad statistically if you go to any prison in america 75 percent of the inmates are former foster kids that is startling. it is crazy half the homeless population spent time in foster care i think one percent of us graduate from college so i was put into a world without my own doing that was not set up to do well for me uh, after about five or six kind of crazy foster homes landed in my current home the only black person in an all-white very poor family grew up with this framing of, I don't matter, we don't have money, I'm, you know, I'm not loved, be quiet, Anthony, you don't talk, right? These different aspects of what created me and then progressed through that. Somehow didn't you know, become a statistic, man, and then was able to eventually get a college scholarship. First thought you were a bad athlete, then yeah, I realized bad, you could oh, get yeah, better. yeah, I was a horrible athlete. Yeah, I became... was 15 years old, I sucked, man. That was, that's one of those first skills, that's mm. probably one of the biggest moments for me was there. Is at 15 years old i was like i'd done football for two years wasn't very good at it and i was like i'm just not gonna be good at it chalked it up and something triggered me in in some statement by a girl in a classroom and next thing i know i'm in this realm of like i want to be that good football player i want to be great at it so i leaned back in did a whole bunch of things that were not in my current character didn't feel like it was me you know it's that that feeling of like you're in somebody else's skin Mm -hmm. like oh i don't do this people made fun of me all that but then on the back end of doing some interesting work I came to this moment where I was like, no, this is who I am now. I have earned the right to say that this is me. Uh, I tell people- How did you
2: fight through when people were making fun yeah. of you? Hey, Butterfingers, you know how to catch a football. Yeah, like yeah. this is a guy that ends up, what, like seven years later being in the NFL? NFL, yeah. So how do you keep training mm-hmm. that hard when the world is telling you, both through the fact that you can't catch a fucking football Mm -hmm. and that the people that you respect are telling you that you can't catch a football, how do you believe in yourself enough to go, I can get better at this? I didn't believe in myself. I think there's that
1: thought that like, you have this initial belief when you set out, and I didn't. I just believed the fact that if I did nothing, nothing would get better. Hmm. That was really what it was. Because the life I've been living up to that point, where a lot of us are, we're in the same kind of flow of life, doing our thing. And we go, well, if I just keep doing more of this, it might change. And I'm glad that at 15, I was like, if I don't do anything different, nothing different is coming for me. And so it was this belief, not in my ability, but my belief that if I did this, I could get better. I didn't understand how much better. That was something I came to find over time. But I think there was moments, yeah, I'd go out to the weight room and kids make fun of me. You know, i drop a football, kids make fun of me. But it was this thing where I wasn't trying to identify at that moment with the guy just yet, because I wasn't. They had that imposter syndrome kind of conversation. But I did want to identify as the guy that did the work. That was the separation. I'm going to do the work. I don't care uh, if it turns into something or not. I just know that if I don't, I don't get any closer to my goal. So I just kept showing up and doing that work. And even though they made fun of me, I was like, yeah, I may not be as strong as you, but I'm stronger than I was a month ago, than a week ago. So that little mentality of like putting these little deposits in day after day, that started creating outcomes that were was faster. I was stronger, so now I'm seeing the progress, and then I start getting a little bit of addiction to that, like, ooh, like this feels good. Look in the mirror and see a little bit of abs. I got some chest striations on my muscles, yeah. you know, and a little bit faster. I'm catching the football better, and now what happened is I'm creating proof for myself that I
2: can be better, and that just progressed on for years. The body is fascinating, mm. and I will say that my own journey as an entrepreneur. I didn't have any background as I don't think I'm naturally gifted at it. Um, mm-hmm. My parents certainly did not teach me that. Yeah. But right at the, right before I started getting into business, I started working out. Yeah. And I realized I could change my body, that over time I could pick up a weight that I couldn't pick up before, mm-hmm. that I could look better in a sweatshirt or better yeah. naked. And I was like, whoa, it, it showed me that change was not only possible, that it was profoundly impactful. That mm-hmm. it, it actually altered the way I felt about myself yeah, and it altered the way the world felt about me. Yeah. And that became like, just trying to get people to understand like, hey, if you're really struggling, you need to address the body. Yeah, because you if you address the body, first of all, there's a whole host of reasons from your microbiome mm-hmm. and the way that the brain and the body communicate in terms yeah. of how you form emotions. But mm-hmm. even just like on a really sort of high level basic, Way to look at it, as you get control of your body, it is going to make you feel better about yeah. yourself. There is a subroutine running in your brain given mm-hmm. to you by evolution that wants you to feel strong, that yeah. wants you to look good. Like it just yeah. is what yeah, it I is. 100% agree, man. And like people, there are a lot of people. Let's just see how many people I can unintentionally outrage, because I'm not saying <laughs> this to be outrageous. i just I really want people to understand they can use this in their own life. Yeah. There are a lot of people that are out of shape that are like, you should love yourself. When you're out that. of shape. No. There's nobody that gets in shape and was like, oh, it's better off when I was Yeah, happy. no one
1: regrets that. And it's funny is like <laughs> you're gonna go in a little rabbit hole here. I used to own a gym. I'm a guy that you know, I have a thirty-five thousand dollar gym in my house I created, like specific for the family to Cheers. get dialed, right? And and the biggest thing is when my son, perfect example, my son is a person who was skinny, like he was itty bitty, you know, shriveled up, he's going to college now in a couple of days drop him off in like two days. He got old fast. Yeah, he did, right? And so, but he just took pictures. We were in Hawaii and we have these prior pictures of him. Like he went to a pool party one time and left the pool crying because he was just, didn't love his body. Whereas Mm -hmm. now he's got abs, right? So like I've watched that. And so for me, when I I have conversations with him, I I grew up in a household with people that were overweight and obese Mm -hmm. and nobody in the house loved themselves in that manner. Like ever. And so for people to go, I love myself and, and how I look, it's like, there's, I get the desire to want to feel good in your own skin, but the solution isn't to avoid the fact that you don't feel that great and to tell everybody we should accept you that way. Because I don't think it's loving of my family if I go, it's okay for you to be sick and out of shape and be tired and be angry at yourself or angry because you're short-tempered, because whatever it might be. Because, again, I've never seen somebody fight to get in shape when I own my gym fight to get in shape and go, I regret this.
2: Yeah,
1: They come in, like the same as you're talking about, Like I don't know how to handle this new attention. Women want me, men want me, all these different things take place. And they're they're brighter, they're lighter, they're joyous, they're happy. And so for someone to stop themselves from feeling that because they want to find a way to, in the short term, feel good about themselves by saying, accept me as I am. Right. I think it's, a, it's a, a wider problem that people just, no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to get canceled. Mm. Like this is again, this is someone's gonna hear this and go, I hate that guy.
2: And, and the problem is, I've been on camera long enough now. People think of, what right? they're going to think. But so yeah. my thing is, I want people to know that you're just as worthy of love. Yeah. If you're heavy, there. My my family's 100%. morbidly obese, and you cannot hate that which you love. And I mm-hmm. love my family beyond all Same. reason and measure. But what I remind them is that all I want you to know is that the joint pain, the you know, if you're flirting with depression, whatever. It's going to be wildly impacted for the better mm-hmm. if you get your diet right, if you start yeah. working out. It's just this is nature at mm-hmm. work, so it's there waiting for you. I'm not gonna love yeah. you anymore if you get in shape, I'm not gonna love you any less if you go in the opposite direction, mm-hmm. but I want you around as long as possible, and yeah. I want you to know that there's a card you can play if you ever want that pain, either emotional or physical, to go totally. away. And that it it makes me sad, again, going back to frame of reference, it makes mm-hmm. me sad that people are trapped in the frame of reference that if you want to improve yourself, if you want to get out of that, that there is that there's something wrong with that. Like when Adele lost all the weight and people went after yeah, her, I was here. like, what? Was, uh, that, uh, yeah, I agree. It was a weird one to watch. Yeah. If you want a fighting chance against the competition, you need to be using the best technology and platforms in the world has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at eBayMotors.com. eligible items only exclusions apply but incredible. you also
1: said a moment ago the world saw you differently
2: yeah now i'll tell you the, the craziest the one of the highest emotional peaks of my life and people are going to write in the comments that this is shallow mm-hmm. It. Think what you want. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I was at a pool party with my wife. Yeah. A woman swam across the pool, got up out of the pool, and went to my wife, Can I pet your husband's abs? Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, go I for love it. it. And That's I was beautiful. like, Dude, for all the success I've had, yeah. that moment still <laughs> so sticks out is like one of the best. <laughs> it was fucking one. awesome. I yeah. worked so hard yeah. for those abs. And there is a weird feedback loop that I don't know if I'll ever be able to explain mm-hmm. to somebody, but if you are a guy, and you reach across yourself and you feel your pec muscle and it's hard, mm-hmm. your brain sends a signal of like, word. Yeah. I don't, I see, like, dog. even now I have the chills. There's, I see you, yeah. that's exactly right. It's weird, I don't yeah. know what it is, but I can say that that is innate because mm-hmm. I had never had hard muscles before. Mm-hmm. And the first time I reached across myself and was like, whoa! Like, feel good. yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. was like, whoa, this is crazy. Or when you, for me now, it's the opposite. If I've really been getting lazy and I, you know, touch my abdomen and it's soft. I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get to feel it, man. My wife, with the pandemic hit, man, I got to like
1: 250. I got some weight on me. I had to like 30 pounds. It was not a fun thing. Yeah. But I, I, and it's funny as as I felt the experience of what it's like to just try to like hide it and cover it mm. up. And I look back at that guy. And I go, man, I even felt incongruent in the work I was doing. I would do videos and talk about where and I'm like, but I look in the mirror and I go, you're not that guy. Mm. Like, and so that was like this cognitive dissonance of like you're saying one thing, acting acting a different way. I actually had to adjust, and I went through the whole 75 hard thing, shaved like 37 pounds off, I dialed it in. But then I got to the point where I am now, I'm like, I I love me. And I think that's one of the biggest things is is it doesn't just affect you and the body, it affects every part of your life. Because if I love somebody, I'll go to the ends of the earth to stay dialed in, to stay consistent, right, to follow through because I love that person. But if I don't respect the person, it's hard to love. And if I've done things that make me lose respect in myself, I can't love myself the same way, so I don't shove myself the same way. So I'll I'll miss the party or I'll I'll miss the work thing. I I won't do the thing for myself and go take a trip or whatever it is, because part of me doesn't think I deserve it. And so my life experience, even outside of the physical, is vastly negatively impacted by just not being in some kind of shape or at least feeling like I'm in better shape than I was. Because we don't all have to have a six pack. Six pack would be nice. I don't even know if I've ever had six pack before, man. I've, I've been in shape as a football guy, so it's always dense, but I do know there's a level of healthier for everybody. Mm-hmm. And if someone can just lean into the healthier and not compare yourself to the world or anything else, like don't pull a magazine up and go, but I don't look like Beyonce, like nobody cares, just look like you, but a little better. That's the kind of dopamine dump that, that people should be looking for, just a little better for you as opposed to comparison to the rest of the world.
2: I'll push that a little farther and say, Pushing yourself, going back to identity, pushing yourself to recognize that you can be the kind of person, only compete with yourself. I'm down for that. But that, like, not only are you a little bit better, like, you're you in elite shape. Oh hell yeah. Now again, you may not look like Beyonce or you mm. may not look like, you know, whoever for me it was always Hugh Jackman. I was chasing really? Hugh Jackman. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was he was yeah, he was pretty geeked up. He oh man, like, when he Wolverine. was Wolverine, come on, bro. Yeah, At the bro. beginning he of that, big like now is what's who? his name from Thor? That dude got big. Yeah, 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 yeah. He looks amazing. Yeah. So that's a certainly more contemporary reference. Uh you may not ever look like that, but to really push yourself and to see what you're capable of mm-hmm. is I think the whole point of being a human, if if so my thing is chase fulfillment, yeah. right.. Yeah. But fulfillment is de- defined. The thing that's gonna give you that neurochemical state is defined by nature. Mm-hmm. And so nature has certain things it wants to incentivize and certain, certain things that it wants you to avoid. Yeah. It wants you to stay alive long enough to have kids that have kids. Mm-hmm. Cool, so how do we do that? You're gonna to have to attract a mate, you're gonna have yep. to be able to hunt, you're gonna to have to connect with a group, like there's all these things. Yeah. So if we know that the game is fulfillment, I think that the, the calculus given to us by mother nature insists that we work really hard that we make progress and that we serve. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing those things, then you will feel this sense of fulfillment. It doesn't mean that you're joyful every second. It just means that you have this resilient emotional state, but you've gotta push yourself. Like I really think that working hard is a mandate from nature. And that if you aren't working hard, even if you have all the wealth in the world, you just feel like something isn't right.
1: Yeah, dude, I'm getting chills over here. So I am in the middle of a dynamic with my son This conversation is like the through line to our entire world right now at home. So I'm a guy that grew up in hardship, Mm. right? And I'm a guy that's created a lot for my life that shouldn't have been created for my life. And And the one thing, like you said, my goal is to have kids, I have the kids, but I also need them to have kids. And one of the biggest things is like, if you can't do
2: hard things, your life is not great. I would go venture to say it's a horrible life. Like, and internally generated suffering. That's what I yeah. want people to understand. This doesn't have to do with getting rich or anything like that. No. It is not the outside world. It is your internal world mm-hmm. that will feel horrible.
1: Oh yeah, all of it. And then you will have some things that'll affect the outside world. But it's like right now, my, my youngest son's 13. My oldest is 17. I had to go through the same journey with him of getting him to do hard things. And it's, it, his actual statement was, that I think you should have been harder on me. Whoa. As he's watching me parent my youngest son. Wow. And so the dynamic with my youngest son, love him to death. He's gonna watch this. This is gonna be fun. Uh, great kid. He's got a phenomenal heart. He's, a, he's, he's got this amazing brain. He's intelligent. You, you'd love them talking to him. He's one of those guys that'll like say things and make you go, what? I like, didn't think of it. However, he doesn't like doing hard things. Mm. I mean, he seeks comfort in all areas. And I was recently watching something that broke down, uh, no, I read this, this, this whole like, uh, research article on it where dopamine has different receptors. We think it's only in the, the doing of hard things, but it's also in the solution that allows it to be easier. So when somebody finds that something that's hard to go, I got that done, feel great, someone could also go, oh, I found a way around that. Oh, good job finding the solution, the shortcut. Mm-hmm. Like my son, who's this younger guy, we're like, we're going to put you in boxing. As opposed to going, I'm going to be dominant in boxing, he goes, I'm just going to run around the ring. He had that dopamine done for finding a solution and not have to have the hardship. Mm. So, his thing right now is how do I get you to do something hard? So, we've started every day this whole morning routine. You'll like this as a cold shower guy. Uh, we hike to the top of a hill near our house. We come back down. I put him in 48 degree water for two minutes. Ooh. The whole cold plunge we got every single morning. 48 is cold. Yeah, well, man. It gets, I've seen guys get to like 26, psychopaths. Jesus. But we get in and he's at 13 doing this. Is it,
2: it had to be seawater.
1: Uh, I think it might have been. It was Or low. highly moving. Anything that I've done. I've never done. It. I'm talking Damn. you watch. There's still ice chunks on top of the water when they're Jesus. doing it. Yeah, I'm not getting that. Mine will mm-hmm. go to 36, but I'm not going that low. But the purpose the is, is to is get him to do something hard. And he doesn't grasp what it is. But mm-hmm. the purpose is if I can get you to do something hard and normalize you to that level of expenditure, not only do you feel good about yourself because you've done something hard, but then you get to do things other people would try to do and falter at, but you get to go, look what I've accomplished
2: over them not so many Jesus let him get that oh we're doing it yeah dude this is so my dad who I wanted to punch in the mouth hmm. as a child yeah would he just insisted like you are going to learn the the discipline of hard work he always said it's going to build character it's going to build character yeah and so one I grew up lower middle class two I grew up like chopping wood carrying hmm. wood like we used to legitimately go into the mountains Mm. find trees that had fallen, yeah. cut them up, spend an entire nice. weekend hauling wood. I like this man, Dude, and it, but like, because that's how we heated the house, you yeah. know what I mean? And look, I don't want people to think I grew up poor. I did not, I used to think I did, mm. I've seen poverty. I did not grow up in poverty, yeah. but we did shit like that. Mm-hmm. And every time I pushed back, like this is so dumb, like for the love of God, let yeah, somebody else do this. this yeah. But I was like, it's gonna build character, it's gonna build character. And so every year from the time that I was 12, I had a summer job. Mm-hmm. And when I got older, dude, the fact that I've been successful is because of that. I agree. I was like, I know how to work. Mm-hmm. I know how to suffer. Yeah. And in the beginning, because I wasn't a skilled business person, the only thing I had going for me was I could suffer. Yeah. And that allowed me to then get a leg up. And so I'm always reminding my own team, I'm like, you think I act like this because I'm the CEO, and I'm telling you I became the CEO because Because I acted like like this, when nobody gave a fuck who I was, Mm -hmm. nobody listened. Mm -hmm. And getting people to understand the power of skill acquisition, a willingness to suffer, Mm -hmm. and to your earlier point, pushing yourself way, Beyond yeah. what you thought you were doing it capable is, of.
1: and I look I, I, I love hearing those stories because like I look back and I have a college coach And I had you know high school coaches. I do not know a single person that I can look back on that made me better that I didn't hate in the moment. Yeah, every person that made me better Even with my wife in times, you know my kids I was dealing with I hated people but in the moment it was always forced me to do something to improve myself mm-hmm. and same as you like I can find joy in suffering. Like there's this weird peace I get when like I'm burned in the middle of a workout and I wanna stop. And I go, "Oh what if you get one more rep, dude? Like what happens, and so you get that rep and you go, that's what happens. And then that, mm. you feel that, that difference. And so you walk around having a little chip on your shoulder in a positive way. It doesn't mean I'm diminishing anybody around me. In fact, that chip helps me serve at a higher level. But realistically, it's like I want to feel as I'm the most, like, the highest version of I can get to myself of me and the only way to get there is through hard work. If you, if you take the shortcuts, you know you take the shortcut. Mm-hmm. You know, and that diminishes. And so when people go like, oh, I'm not making many sales in my business, or my wife, you know, we, we can't communicate well. I promise you, it's some area, you're cutting a corner in effort. Don't know what it is, but if you find that and you show up in that manner, it'll push. I think one of the, the biggest issues, which this maybe is a kid thing is, it's gotta be your idea though. Mm. so it's hard with him because it's my idea to do it, and I need him to take ownership of it. We recently had this conversation. I'm like, he plays football. He doesn't, he doesn't, go, he doesn't give all the heart. Mm. I can tell. He knows, and I think part of it's because I'm trying to get him to give his heart to it. I don't care if it's badminton. If you want to go and paint snails, dude, just do it at full effort, but I'm, I've pulled back now, and I go, I'm not really going to you know, give any kind of criticism of what he's doing, but I told him, I said, if you want to play next year, you're going to pay for it. Because I need you to go and put the time, energy, effort, and then put that up as a sacrifice. Say, I'm putting my own time into going to play in this game so that at the next level, it's now your choice to be there, your decision to put the time in. And so there's these conversations that, that we have, but they're all in that same thread of, I'm, dude, 100%, I'm like, you gotta do hard things. Yeah. I try to make it hard on purpose. Because I think one of the problems we have in society now is we coddle kids and we rob them of their hardships. The facts, and then, then the what facts. we do is we see adults and go, why can't you work hard? Why can't you do it? Well, it's because their mom and dad robbed them of the hardship. Mm. So we want a kid all of a sudden to snap out of this, they've been coddled, and it's been easy, and it's okay, everyone get a trophy. And then when they get older, don't do that anymore. Right. How? So it's, it's
2: difficult, but I, at least I'm not gonna put out kids that'll be problematic later on for the future. Dude, this is the thing that scares me about having kids. Like there are real consequences to how you are raised and Mm -hmm. you are an anomaly. I wish you were the standard. I wish it was, oh, like it's hard, it sucks, but like you're more tenacious than other people. And I think about this a lot in terms of the inner cities. Mm -hmm. And I've said this many times, the inner city breaks most of the people that it touches, the vast majority, Mm -hmm. but The people that get out achieve escape velocity in the most insane manner because they were repressed, 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 repressed. And then when they just fucking insist on getting out and I'm gonna get better and I'm gonna win, you get a Jay-Z. And it's like, what that guy's accomplished is insane. And when you think about where he started, it's bananas. Mm -hmm. And would he have achieved the same heights had he not been so angry about, you know, growing up the way that he did and having to be hard mm-hmm. and like all of that stuff. I don't know, man. I, I think that I don't wish hardship on anybody, which is why I'm not a parent. Because I don't know that I could intentionally put my kids through the very thing I know they need. Yeah. Because I don't want to see them suffer. My wife can't do it. Dude, it's I can it's do it. She hard. can. That's the battle I have with her. But I agree. It's hard, man. It's hard. But you got you to gotta go do hard things. You have to, you have to be in danger. hmm you have to be yeah. in danger. You and have to. like when I think about what my parents let me do, I'm like, what were you thinking? <laughs> like they would, I would ride my bike on busy roads, mm-hmm. three, four miles away from my house yeah. to go to an unsupervised BMX track mm-hmm. that had big ass jumps, no helmet, yeah. Big kids there threatening to beat you up. You're Same falling thing. off your bike. Your friend might break an arm. You'd have to like push your bike all the way home. There's there's no cell phones. Yeah. So like this is a very different world. Mm-hmm. And it actually killed some kids. That's the thing. Yeah. And this goes back to what I was saying about San Francisco. It comes from a beautiful place. You wanna protect people. You don't wanna see them suffer. You don't mm-hmm. wanna see them go through anything hard because the reality is some people actually will suffer immensely. Yeah. Some people will die, like yeah. some people lost kids. Mm-hmm. And it just makes you tighten up.
1: Yeah, but I think it makes you a better human.
2: If you go through the dangerous yeah. shit. Yeah. But the bad news is doing all the things that we're doing to try to protect people, make sure we're not the one that loses a kid, it actually puts an entire generation of people in a bad spot. You're just kicking off the hardship till later. Tough, man. And I think the hard
1: thing is, is like as you're a kid, you get hard things, you shut down and freak out. You got a mom or a dad in the house, hopefully. Uh, and you also have a space where it's not much responsibility. But if you take all the, the navigating the skills, like you take that away then and you just push out to the future, well, now you got a wife or you got a husband and you got maybe kids and you got a job and that hardship comes and you shut down. So I think in doing what we're doing right now, of removing these aspects, we're just pushing it to the future. And that's what you're seeing right now in say San Francisco areas. It's a lot of people who, in my opinion, they just couldn't do something hard. And that hard thing could have been, can you help me? Hard thing could have been, I'm gonna go to rehab, right? Also could have been a hard thing is keep the job or show up on time or whatever the skills that they needed to do. They couldn't learn or develop. And so this I'm just going to back out of this. But at the end of the day, it's it's going to be their own version relatively of hard that they couldn't do. And so, like, I do put that in the space of, like, their development. I don't know who it was or where it came into play. It can't be 100 percent. Obviously, there's going to be some statistic of people, like, really had some crazy things happen. But when I look at it, I go, there's probably some space I can trickle back and go, Someone let them squirt out of the hardship. Mm. That's the one thing my wife and I go back and forth on and she'll talk about it It's not like I'm saying anything negative. She has a huge heart. She's their mom I get it dynamically the mom has that but I explained to her I said she says you're being mean to the kids I go I'm not being mean. I just that their feelings are hurt But you have to realize that that I'm I'm not trying to make them feel bad I'm trying to have them go through a journey to get better. I say do you respect me as a man? Well, yeah, I said well, would you like your boys to be like me? Yeah, well, as the man that you respect, I'm oh. noticing that they are not in line with what I would think, how I would function, how I would operate. So I'm just giving them feedback to get them closer to the man that you respect. Whoa. Yeah, she didn't like
2: that. Wow. Way.
1: Really? Well she didn't not in the beginning. But interesting. Then, yeah, but then she got it. So she's been way better of letting me do what I do and kind of like letting me, you know, she'll kind of step out of the role a little bit. Mm. I did ask the question too, I said, take like, a look at your son. We love our we love him. Obviously, I said Based on how he operates when things get hard or the things he does, you know, competition, will kind of pull back I said, would you date him?
2: She goes, no. And I go, so you gotta let me do what I'm Damn. doing. Damn. Yeah. Dude, this is so powerful. So I had Bedros Coolian on the show recently and he said, I don't know if it's his quote or somebody else's, but he said, a woman's job is to turn an infant into a boy and a man's job is to turn a boy into oh, man. a man. And that's why forever we had coming of age rituals, yeah, which by ahead. the way, I did not have anything resembling that as a kid, despite mm. having to work and stuff, but I didn't have anything that was like, you're now a man yeah. or even what a man was. Uh, so when I, I read a book called the power of myth by Joseph Campbell, mm-hmm. and he talked about how he thought that a lot of problems in society were related to there no longer being these coming of age rituals. Yeah. And I, read that before I met Lisa. Mm -hmm. And so when I met Lisa and decided I was gonna propose, I was like as a part of getting married because I wanna be a different man the day before I get married and the day after. Mm -hmm. And I wanna remind myself that this is forever. And so I wanna go through a ritualistic scarification Mm -hmm. to remind myself this is forever, this is permanent. And I really think that mentality and thinking about putting a line in the sand and saying, you know, it wasn't necessarily moving into manhood because I was already at that point 26, but Mm -hmm. it was recognizing I needed a threshold to cross and that I wish I had had a threshold to cross. Yeah, Yeah. now what I love about most of the coming-of-age rituals of old looks something like this. The boy would stay with the mother until, Mm -hmm. you know, they hit whatever, 13, whatever the normal age is. Mm -hmm. And then the men would come in and, and ritualistically pull him away from the mother and say, mm-hmm. he's no longer in that arena. He's yeah. now a part of the men. Mm-hmm. And then they would go and do something legitimately painful, dangerous, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And if anybody wants to read about one of these, and I've talked about it so many times, my audience would be tired of hearing it, mm-hmm. but Long Walk to Freedom by Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. He recants yeah. his public, uh n- no anesthetic uh, so circumcision wow. at 14 mm. and, I just, it blew my mind. Yeah. And it doesn't surprise me that somebody who went through a very um, like, regimented coming of age ritual ended up being fucking the person that I may admire most in recent memory. I mean, the guy yeah. is just unbelievable. You ever seen the, uh,
1: the first five minutes of 300? Yeah, of course dude that that is what we're talking about literally is it that's the agogi they called. it remind me i don't so the, the first five minutes it's the guy he got the whole raspy voice and he says it was a cold night and he's this whole thing but what he talks about he goes through is that exact moment there's mm-hmm. a visual of that at like maybe three minutes where it shows you know the boy was taught never to give in never to surrender and he's talking about how at a certain age he was ripped from his mom and they call the agogi, which means to raise right and so they would take him and cast him out into the woods and it was only him and a knife and this wolf, and he wasn't fear that gripped him, just a heightened sense of things, right? But it was after just, they taught him to you know cheat and, and kill at some point in time, but they were literally a visual ripping him from his mom. Mm. She's crying, but he goes out and he returns a king, Leonidas, right? And that's exactly what you're talking about. So if anyone wants to see that, like that's a great visual. It's the very first opening mm. scenes, and they walk through that. And so it's funny you say that, because I actually had a, like, a group of six guys we sat down and said, hey, from age 13 to 18, if we can go back in time, what do we wish we would have taught our kids? And we have a list we've all thrown out, and I'm tasked with organizing it now, of not just a weekend, but like, what does an exact like five-year journey look like? Mm. What what is not being taught to these kids or shown to these kids that they need to be kind of thrust into, and and part of it is gonna be ripping from mom, like, hey, we're gone for the weekend. Don't call, Mm. we're gonna survive, but like, we're gonna test this boy. And I need you to have that, because at that point in time, you'll be able to, which is big for me, I want to sleep well when my kids are gone. Yeah. I want to be able to put my head down and go, they're out there, they're good. And the only way I get to that level is if I've done the things before they leave right.
2: Damn. Well, I can't wait to see your five-year plan. Yeah, well, it is. The Range Rover Sport provides an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and redefines sporting luxury for the power, agility, and performance you demand in every area of your life. Explore the Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Interesting. we've got two things so far. We've got structure, identity, What's the third one? We're third one's what to, I, called,
1: I call it dark work, man. Dark
2: work? It's dark work. Oh, you have me at hello with this.
1: Yeah, dude. It's this, it was one of these things that came out of random conversations. So when I was 15, we just talked about I was you know, a guy doing work, whatever it was. But there was this, this window of time where I pulled back and I, I was not doing anything for anybody else but me. It was, it was for me to create my own sense of self. So I lifted the weights, ran the route, all these kind of things and when i got to the football field 7 months later there was a different seeded mentality and what it was is i've done too much work in the dark for you to take what's mine in the light and and i know i've read up on you i know how you work and so like there's things that we do in the background that nobody will ever know oh yeah and i'm not going to tell anybody but dude that seeds me so when i'm in the shine like in the light you ain't taking anything from me like mm. so when i was 15 it was my football my tackle my play i'm winning You don't get to beat me. If you beat me, let's go back to work, next play. It was a mentality that allowed me to go and take what I believed I deserved. And I see a lot of individuals nowadays, they want to, you know, stay motivated and get to that point. And I go, well, if you've paid the price, if you've already invested and and did these deposits, you're going to get your return. When you decide like, ah, it's too hard today. I don't want to do this today. I'm not motivated or I can't stay on task. It tells me you have not enough dark work. Or if you have the sense of what I call imposter syndrome, we all call imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. Because I've never known an athlete in the off season that lifted the weights, ran the routes, did the playbook, killed it at practice, that on game day goes, I don't know if I wanna go out there. They go, no, let me loose. Like it's a whole different mentality. And so for me, I look at all these different things. That is a skill of being able to, to go dark, stop, stop doing everything in the realm of like, hey everybody, watch me and see mm-hmm. what I do. Because what I think they'll call my definition at current of dark work is hard work done in private, fueled by some kind of ambition, that develops a skill and the brazenness to deploy that skill when needed, and a lot of people are wanting to go out and, and be the people and be the shine, but they haven't done the dark work to shine bright, and so they're struggling with this. But I've done this thing, like, but you haven't done enough. And if you have those little lacking areas of confidence or maybe a skill set's diminished, you got to go back and work on those things in the dark. And you can't do it with a tripod next to you. Lily is a something in our brain called the mirror neuron system. I'm sure you know about this, right? They did some studies that if you put you in a room and nothing in the room, you can be focused and dialed and get a lot of work done. If you put another person or a camera in the room, which will be a person later, your brain goes to, how is that person gonna see me? What's going on, right? Because now I'm in the light a little bit and I actually can't be as dialed and as focused and develop the skill as well. Mm. And so what a lot of people are doing is, is they're trying to shine in the light without having done that dark work. And when you do that properly, it's a whole different approach to the world. There's this chomping at the bit to get out there to do more this. It's like this, this grit that's inside you to shine. And until people can lean back into that, it's really gonna be hard to accomplish things. And so it's, it's this idea that is more than an idea. Like I've trademarked a whole lot of fun stuff coming out, but I realize like that's the root of the identity work too because you are what you consistently do. And so when I want to become that person later, I have to think about what are the things I'm gonna to have to sacrifice and lean into? What hard work do I have to do? for when it comes time to show up in the world, I'm gonna get what's mine, no matter what that is. If it's the, the, the job, if it's gonna be the girl, if it's gonna be whatever, I won't stop because I've already paid the price, I'm just waiting to collect my dues.
2: Yeah, dude, that is incredibly powerful. The idea of, <sighs> the thought of being on social media as I was trying to learn business is terrifying because it would have been such a different journey. Yeah. And before I stepped in front of the camera, I had been, I mean, I was what, mid to late 30s by the time I stepped in front of the camera. And so I had 15 years in business in the dark, never thinking, oh, one day I'm gonna teach a class on this or one day I'm gonna yeah, never you know, have millions of followers because of this." it was just like, I need to get good at building businesses, that's mm-hmm. it. And now people are getting a skill set so that they can step in front of the camera or their skill set is having stepped in front of the camera. Yeah. Now look, there's a lot of cool things, because we're never putting that genie back in the bottle. Obviously, yeah. And so people are gonna have to find a way to, if you're going to you know, be the, oh God, what's his name, Tommy Innit. I don't know if you know who that is, but he, he is a massive guy on social media. Yeah. Uh, he plays video games. Okay. I think he's YouTube um and i mean he's been famous since he was like 17 really and so for him but but in in the way that kids get famous now so different we could do a whole (laughs) podcast on that (laughs) but uh there is no in the dark right Mm -hmm. it's all out there in the open and i will be very curious to see what that looks like as people grow because there Mm -hmm. will be so much of the I'm doing this, what are people gonna think? Instead of just like grinding it out because I wanna get good at this thing and I don't care how ugly or awkward I look right now, I'm just gonna keep going, keep going, keep going. And there's also, there is a, as I have experienced it anyway, and I can only speak as one man, but as I have experienced it in those dark moments where the voices are echoing in your head of the people who are rooting against you, Mm -hmm. not rooting for you, and you're stewing on that, and you're like, I'm not gonna let these people win. There, it, in, in the way that, like the inner city, destroys most of the people that it touches, going inside your own mind breaks most people. Mm-hmm. They, they need the psychological immune system to make it somebody else's fault. It's not them, there's yeah. nothing they can do, woe is me. Mm-hmm. But for those of us that, that went like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, I'm not but gonna let else. you win. And the only way, my favorite, this is one of my all-time favorite quotes, uh, certainly my favorite Kobe Bryant quote, mm-hmm. booze don't block dunks. So boo as in boo on you, people always yeah, think yeah, I'm yeah. saying B-O-O-Z-E, yeah. not drinking. I get you, so, yeah. Like rooting against you does not block dunks. Yeah. And you can get so good that people, no matter how hard they try, they cannot stop you from succeeding. Yeah. yeah. And when you said dark work, I imagine someone putting their hoodie up. 100%. They're alone in the gym, fucking going hard. That's there's what no it one is. to celebrate them. But there's plenty of voices telling them they're not going to make it yeah. stuck inside their head but they understand that they can win yeah. against those
1: voices. But it is, man, it builds uh, like dark energy. If you think about like, you know, the Kobe Bryant, some Michael Jordans that we know, like they fed off some different dark, dark energy. And there's nothing dark. wrong with that, because you can not do it right Not only wrong, it's powerful. It is, it's like, it's for me, that's what shows up in the middle of the workout, in, in the middle of me fighting for something. Like I don't go like joyous butterflies. Like, <laughs> it's like, I dig in and, and you need to go to that place. But if you haven't filled that up, it's hard to pull from the tank. And I love what you said, the word experience, because you're a brain guy, right? And we know about you know, the brain's mm-hmm. neuroplasticity. And it's interesting is if you think about what wired us was experience. Something happened that, that taught us something, the brain saw this, whatever, it wired it a certain way. And so when I think about dark work, it's not just like this, I tuck away and never show the world. It's mm-hmm. I craft a specific experience for myself because I have to experience something to rewire it. And so if I can do that in a way that's, that's structured, that is architected properly, and then I lean in And I stay disciplined, not just to the achievement, but to the outcome of a transformation or rewiring or connection of who I'll be in the future. Yeah, it is a hood down, hit the weights because now my body gets bigger. And the outcome isn't just muscles like we talked about. It's a different sense of self. So all these things are rooted in the same thread of like people got to be able to go and just do that dark work. And if you do... Your life changes a sudden that you can't see. Like you could not see this when you started. No way. You know, like you're in your, your you know, room with you know, these things, making bars and cutting them. Like this wasn't a reality then, not even a visual, but there was some part of that dark energy that got built from the dark work that just won't
2: stop now. Mm. That and, if there was a gift that I could give people, it would be to know what it feels like to be hard. Mm and Goggin's I think embodies this more he than does, anybody man. and look I'm not hard like Goggin's that man's do, a he, he was he was someone with his ankles taped
1: recently Dude, <laughs> ankles he, and he, wrist
2: <laughs> just such a fucking beast yeah but when you when you have that gear inside of you yeah it is more intoxicating than just about anything you can feel yeah. now look I'm I have struggled with anxiety which is a form of fear my entire life so I am not somebody who is just full of courage and oh, this is all easy. I'm somebody who has to fight through that every fucking day, but I'm telling you right now, those moments where you click over into no matter what, you will not stop me, not that I won't hurt, that I won't give up, Mm -hmm. and the dopest thing on planet fucking earth, Anthony Trucks, Mm -hmm. is that I've proven to myself that I won't give up, not that I won't fail, Mm -hmm. not that I won't embarrass myself, but I have not stopped in 46 years, mm-hmm. no matter how bad, no matter how hard, no matter how embarrassing, I've kept going. Yeah. And knowing that about yourself is so awesome. Yeah. And so I want to give that gift to people where you can internalize mm-hmm. that chin down, fucking furrow on your brow, teeth gritted, like I will make it through this. Yeah that gift is worth all the suffering in the world. And you will have to suffer to get there because you yeah. will have to hold yourself accountable. You will have to do what Goggin says, the accountability yeah. mirror. You're mm-hmm. standing there naked before yourself mm-hmm. in who you are, what you have tolerated, yeah. because you are what you tolerate mm-hmm. in yourself. But God damn, like it's available to
1: everybody. Every single person. And the thing is, it, this gleans back the identity thing. Because once you do that work, It's who you are. Yes. And the same thing with people that want alignment. I want to stay in this alignment. I want to. I can't. I can't be wrong. It also applies in a positive way, Mm. right? So now it leans in and goes, "This is who I am to do this. I'm not going to let the last 50 years of me down, 20 years of me down, 10 years of me down. I'm going to get this done." So part of it comes from this desire to not fall out of alignment with who you've already been or who you've built yourself to be to this point. And so yeah, that that chin down. I get that, dude. Like you're you're speaking through my world internally. Yeah. Because I mean that's. Dude, I, I, I had balanced a marriage, that remarried to my ex-wife, as you know. I, I have three kids, I have a business I run with multiple team members, and I, I'm doing them all over the place. And I never get to this point where I go, oh, it's just too much. I go like, what will it look like when I can normalize this and do more? Like, and that's that teeth that let's lean into this part of the life as opposed to lean out and go, oh, it's too much. I got to, oh, let me take a break. Like, I don't need a break. I need to figure out how to manage this so I can actually do more than this. So I can see what more is out there for my life. And mm-hmm. that has been built off of that's what previous Anthony did. And I don't want to let that guy down. So I just keep leaning in.
2: How do you acclimate to making things harder and harder for yourself?
1: I think part of it's uh, accepting the fact that I'm not supposed to be right in the beginning of it. Because at first you'll do it and you go like, I'm sucking at this. It mm. doesn't mean you suck, that's a whole growth mindset, Carol Dweck, right? I go, no, okay, I'm, I'm not doing phenomenal at this. What can I do better? That does sometimes take mentorship. I'll reach out to people. Hey, I got this going on. What would I do here? What would you do? And you get some perspectives. But then the biggest thing is when I try to add something in, I've got to be able to add that thing in and shut everything else out that would diminish that. Or someone's removed some things that have been part of my life. Right, so I think we all have like this overall capacity, and I think when it 's full, we go we have to keep that in like no, I don't have to keep that in. I just have had that around, but I want this now. this is the lowest common denominator in, in the whole problem. let 's just get rid of this, and i 'll stop doing something I 'll get rid of something that at one point, I' love to do, but i 'm not so dialed into that being my current identity anymore that I 'm like, okay, I can let that go it doesn 't diminish anything because this is going to be added in that 's a little bit of piece of it too, and, and I think for me, man, it's just uh, when I look at the ways that I can like, we'll call it, formulate and bring this stuff in, I'm heavy on structure. Like my life is, is to a T like a regimen. Football did a great job of putting this into me. Like my life was structured for years and then I left the game and I had no idea how to do things. Most of us athletes, that's the biggest problem. We're in this thing from youth to college to the pros. Someone's riding our entire life out for years. And all of a sudden they go, oh, you're done, go figure it out on your own. No idea how to do it. So like I know what it's like if everything fall apart because I had no structure. When I put it back in, I'm a, a monster because I can look at something and go, does it fit? Does it not fit? If it has to fit, where? And I could actually modularly like move my life around and then hit it hard. And here's the interesting thing. I'm no longer at a space where I'm at that level of thinking about what I should be thinking about. Mm. It's like if you walk into the gym right now and go, I want to get a workout in. The worst that you can do is have no workout plan. Walk in there and go, what do I do? You'll have stress at the fact of like, there's all these machines, I can do so many things, what do I do? As opposed like someone gives you a workout and goes, okay, cool, because now you can do what we do best as humans, getting the momentum and work. The brain can almost kick off at some points, you just do the work. So for me, I spend ample time, like someone like four or five hours a week of just thinking about certain windows of time or like the week ahead or what am I gonna do at that time? So when that window shows up, I go into flow. Mm. I get to do the best parts of me, which are do the work, feel good because I did the work, settle on the couch, hang out with the family. like It's a whole different flow. But if I was trying to add things without having a structure, I'd break what I have. It would all just fall downhill. Mm
2: -hmm. Talk to me about your marriage. It's very unusual. Very unusual, yeah. You guys are thriving in a way that is already rare, but what you've been through to get here Mm -hmm. is wildly transformational how did you pull it off? Walk us through just like yeah. a brief thumbnail. What was the and story? And, go, and then yeah, Tarantino tell me how it. you pulled it off.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we were high school sweethearts, right? So, you know, 60 years old, we got together. Uh, I think we like, you know, we weren't actually, it's funny, I never asked her to go out with me. It was just kind of like happened. we were just together now. And then I remember like at my senior year, I was, you know, homecoming king. She was, you know, a senior athlete a year and then uh, something happened. Where we we just were are cutest couple in the yearbook, actually, too. To this day, still in the yearbook, That's right? Hilarious. So we go to we go to college, and she goes to UC Davis, and I go to University of Oregon. We do the long distance thing. It's not working very well, and so eventually she's like, "Well, you're the number two school in the country for what she wants to do, Family and Human Services." She's like, "I'll just go up there." Family says, "All right, go up there. Just don't get pregnant. Take care of school, all that kind of stuff." So like eight months in, we got a baby coming, right? And so we have this this navigation of like we're kids with a kid now. Mm-hmm. Like that's the weird dynamic. I meet my real dad, I found out who he is. She was a big part of me finding his name out, meeting him for the first time. And so this whole dynamic was just a rush of life happening quick. At the same time, like I got a sick mom who's at home, so like it's not a, a huge like everybody's focused on her. So I'm at college kind of by myself. She had her parents get divorced right before she had her senior year. So we kinda of like latched on tight. Go to college, I have a kid, and then we go through college, life's great. You know, get this kid, we're raising him, I go to the NFL, everything's good, raising him. We then go home. We're at 24, 25 years old. All hell breaks loose, because I had a, a weird, like, complete unselling of my identity. Massive shift because a football game ended. Mm. So now I'm like, well, who is Anthony without the football? So I neglected everything. We had two more kids, 2009, and so she's at home every day as I'm at the gym trying to build my name again. From 6 a.m. till 10 p.m. at night, I'm gone. So she's at home just trying to figure it all out. And in doing so, she also had never been taught how to communicate. No one ever showed her how when things are hard to say certain things so she ventured off and she had an affair broke my soul in that window of time dude like i was like i don't want to live This is what life is like after like i don't want to be here anymore like craziness ensued and so we went on this whole journey of like three years of hating each other's guts like a lot of police calls on different situations like some nutso stuff there's things i'll tell you after that took place i don't think it's it's right for here (laughs) um but it was very interesting dynamic and so fast forward three years I've gone through the gamut of I'd made some money so I'm traveling around doing the whole like, you know, playboy thing, I'm feeling great about myself. You guys
2: are broken up at this point. Oh wait, we
1: were divorced, legally divorced and everything. And then she has the kids, you know, we have this back and forth every four weeks, every every weekend we have four day weekends, every other one. And so it just was a dynamic of pulling apart. And then I, I woke up after my mom had passed away, I was like, I don't like me, man. Like generally didn't like me anymore. I was like, I wouldn't want my daughter to be with a guy like me. My boys, I would never want them to emulate me. My mom wouldn't approve, my God ain't let me into heaven like this. So I had this weird, like, I got to adjust some things, and it was the first time I really went internal with that guy, like you talked about. In the past, it happened accidentally. Football forced you to kind of do a certain thing, and business forced you to do a certain thing. But for me at that time, like, I had no way, like, I blue-collar town, everybody around works at a power company, the BART station, you know. So for me, like I got nobody to talk to, I got to navigate this stuff on my own, and so I I cut everybody off. I sat in a brown couch, stared at a wall, and just asked a bunch of questions I didn't want answers to, and it went it was deep, man. I ended up having conversations with people that like never thought I would. I had a conversation with a guy that she had the affair with, like oh like, wow, oh, yeah, it was some very interesting, and squared it away. Like there's a lot of things I navigated. It's funny after our last interview, there's people in the in the comments are like I I left after he said he got back with his ex-wife, but but I get why they would. Don't do that. Like I'm telling people, don't. Because part of this is huge for humans. As a guy, I was an alpha male, NFL linebacker. No mm. one can see me sweat, right? And so when it all transpired, I was doing my personal growth. I realized at the same time, like, I was imperfect. And I was part of the reason it took place. While her decision sucked, it took two people to get to a point of her even thinking she had to make a choice in the first place. Mm. So I had to take my part of that, which sucked to take it as a guy like the alpha... I had to take that and eat it and go, damn, it sucks. And I get why she felt the need. I almost felt bad because I left this woman stranded. I made a vow to her to be there to support her. And I was gone all day and left her with a four year old, and newborn twins. Like I'm surprised she hung on as long as she did to be quite honest. Mm. But here's the interesting thing is for a lot of years she wouldn't actually like admit fault. She wouldn't say she was sorry and I wouldn't actually admit fault. So it was this weird dynamic and then separately but simultaneously we were both working on each other at the same time. Hmm. She had a, her brother gave her this Joyce Myers book. And I don't even know, no one knows where he got it from. He's just the kind of guy like, that's not the kind of book he would have, let's put it that way. And she said she woke up one day and I had at this point been doing work on me and I was, she'd fire back with mess. You know when your ex, you go back and forth, you can hit those text message buttons and hit the heart and they get all. And so we were doing that and eventually I was like, I don't want to get engaged with this anymore. I would just say, okay. And she'd go back and I, okay. And eventually she felt me pulling apart. She woke up one day, she said on a Sunday, no kids, no me, no friends, just the book. Picks the book up, she starts reading it. Again, this is just separate. I'm doing my thing. It gets to a point in the summertime, she goes, hey, I want to get the kids out of here because our little small town's not that great. I want to go somewhere, just get away from this craziness for a few weeks, can you come? Not to be together, just to be there because I can't be away from the kids that long. I love my kids. Like, let's do it, so we, we did. We took off and went to Costa Rica of all places and we just we had the longest in-depth talks about the entire situation that we'd ever had and i explained it as i got to meet someone i for the first time that i would known for 18 years different heart different soul different mm-hmm. perspective not perfect neither am i we, we're still married couple. we bicker and do weird stuff right but her soul was different and so i actually was talking to someone at the time so i was going back home after this three-week window to go on a date and the day before the date she comes up and goes hey uh, I, I don't know how to say this, but I want to try this again.
2: Wow. And
1: I go, man, she ruined my date. Let's put it that way, <laughs> ruined the date. And I tell her, I say, well, when you do all your stuff, you gotta realize I had a bunch of people that were all there supporting me. I can't just take you back and have them be like, what are you doing, Aunt? Right. And so I said, you're gonna have to talk to some people in my life to kind of get their blessing, we'll call it. And so we have a, a friend, Brennan Burchard. And so me and Brennan did some work together. I flew up to his, his uh, area in Portland. We lived up in Portland and we did this whole filming and I came back two days later I started getting calls from friends. They're like, dude, I had a great talk with her. Like, what do you mean? Like she didn't tell me anything. They go, Well, when when the last couple of days, like she reached out and like set up a time to come to come meet and talk with me. She talked with some of my best friends in the world. One of my friends is like, dude, I laid into her and she took it like a woman. Wow. And he's like, but I give you my blessing. And so Damn. I was like, it was interesting. And so that was the beginning of it. I was like, all right, let's try. And so we kind of slowly kind of built this thing back to what it is now. We have an amazing marriage, man. We, you know, we have for everybody, we have communication stuff we're growing through, we still have back and forth. However, there's never discussions about the things that took place in that window. We did that in Costa Rica. Like we, we had these, these interesting, and we were tested early too, because when we led to Costa Rica, we're like, we love it here. We came back, got to get, let's go back and move to Costa Rica. We'll go move to Costa Rica. 10 days into a six month living there, someone tries to kidnap our kids from the private Jesus. school. So we have all these dynamics going on and craziness. I have these, you know, some, some people that were close to me putting horrible things in her ear because of the, the disdain he had for how me and him had a falling out, we'll call it. So all these things were like testing it, but I look and go, we would have never made it if we were the same people before. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that we were able to navigate that to what it is now, I'm also a man of faith. I believe God was a humongous piece of all of it. It's given us the ability to have now a creepy strong relationship. And so I support all she does. She's doing college track right now. We were in college, she has her master's degree. She has a $2 million a year business. She runs does some amazing things in life. And she's like, you know, I wanna do track. And like we found out that because her athletic clock never started, she can run college track. What? So at 38 years old, she was like second and third in the state in four events this last year. And she's still going. (laughs) Like. She's Whoa. a beast. She gets down. That's part of why the gym is where it's at. We needed to have a place to train because the whole pandemic thing. But, like, we have, we have an interesting dynamic. But she gets my crazy. Like, I'm here with you. How many people like their husbands disappear to go down to visit a guy and sit in his house and talk to him? You know, like. But she gets what I do. And I fully support what she does. Here's the crazy thing. It's even more crazy. She technically, because of her times, could run college track in Division One. UCLA recruited her a little bit. So there's a chance she could run track with our son at Oregon.
2: That would be surreal. Wouldn't it?
1: She won't do it though. She's like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, that, uh, if I can get her to do it one day. But yeah, so the relationship is built upon this these key principles. I do what I do and it makes me happy. She does what she does and it makes her happy. And we come together happy. Mm. She doesn't actually 100% get what I do. And I got a clue of what she does, right? But it's this thing we navigate understood that like some of the biggest issues where we just didn't, we wanted the other person to make us happy when we were kids. She wanted me to make her happy. I wanted her to make me happy. And I never was thinking about what if I'm happy mm. and I help you get happy for yourself and we come together happy. So then we have this amazing, like peaceful, supportive, loving marriage, and we could also communicate way better than we used to.
2: What made you want to try it again? Like when she said, yeah. I think I want to try this again. Why weren't you like, aha? Oh, I was. Yeah, right. At
1: first I was like, no, you're tripping. Like there's no way. Like I, my, my brain and my soul is like, I can't do that again. Mm. And then I think part of it ties to my ability as a human to navigate hardship. So I was like, can I endure that again? And, and I, I asked myself deeply, like, can you? And I was like, I, I, last time this happened, I almost want to take my life. And I looked at it this time, I go, Well, I navigated that, so I can endure it if it does go wrong. So that was the first piece of it. Second piece was I married someone and made a vow that for life, right? And at that moment I thought that person was there. And then I asked the question, if this person's here now and I pass up on them, will I regret this for the rest of my life?
2: Hmm.
1: And that was the one. I was like, Yes, I would regret it for the rest of my life if this she really was that human? She was saying she was and I, I got to know for three weeks in Costa Rica And I let that walk away the mother of my kids Like could I create this environment that would be great for my kids But also great for us because it wasn't about the kids it had nothing to do with them, right It was generally about us and the reality was yeah So I'm glad I, I, I would step back and ask those questions because she was there It would have it sucked for me to go the rest of my life and watch her raise my kids with a different man Being an amazing woman mm. So for me, I was like no,
2: I want that to be my wife It's incredible, man. Where can people follow you? Oh, man, Instagram's the best place. At Anthony Trucks, yeah. There it is. Boys and girls, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Peace.